Day to introduce and share with you my personal and professional friends. This morning, I would like to introduce to you Dr. Newton Hoylett. We have been friends since 1991, and we continue to be friends because our children went to college together, and then they went to medical school together, and so we're always at functions and graduations together. But most of all, I would like to introduce to you um, to introduce him to you as a man of dignity, a man of integrity, a man of great ethics, influence, an effective administrator, a man of information, but most of all, a man of God. Amen. He uh, is a native of Jamaica, and he attended and graduated from West Indies College with a BA in theology. He was married the following year to another good friend, Gloria Elaine Young, and they have been married 44 years. Uh, pastored, he then pastored in Central Jamaica Conference for five years, where he pastored up to 10 churches at the same time. Um, he then did youth work and uh, ran the youth camp, and then he was called back to West Indies College uh, to serve as Dean of Men and Associate Pastor of the College Church. He then came to the United States to study at Andrews University, and then he completed his Master's Degree in Religion with emphasis in Church Administration and Counseling. He then proceeded to do his doctoral work in education, uh, Educational Psychology. He went back to West Indies, talking about always going back home. He returned back to West Indies College to be Dean of Student Services and later become the Academic Dean. He then left uh, to come back to the United States and uh, to the D Detroit area where he worked at Inner Vision Neuropsychiatric Clinic where he was, uh, became the Director of Clinical Services. Uh, while in Detroit, he joined a consulting practice. How many of you remember Dr. Trevor Gardner? He was here several, about two years ago. They became partners in a consulting uh, practice. And when they worked with the public school systems in the Detroit area, and they had two major programs, Participating Parents for Progress, and then what they call REPST, uh, Rational Approach to Practical School Discipline. Um, he was then, in 1988, called by Andrews University to become their Vice President of Student Services. And in 2003, he um, experienced his first retirement from Andrews and returned to pastoral work. He has been pastoring for the last 10 years, and he currently pastors the Lehigh Seventh-day Adventist Church in Southwest Florida. He is father to Dr. Leisha Hoylett, who is an internal medicine and pediatric specialist who also does research in uh, Rochester, New York. It is with great pleasure that I introduce to you my friend and advisor, Dr. Newton Hoylett, as he brings the word of the Lord to us this morning. Thank you. Prepare our hearts to worship God in, in word. So we just need you all to just sing beautifully to God in a way that meditates on Him, our love for Him, and just thankfulness for all that He's done for us. So let us sing. Lord, repent. 
a pleasure for me to be here today. I want to thank your pastor, Pastor Madden, for allowing the invitation to your church. Let me thank my good friend, Dr. Eileen White, for her invitation to speak for this special day. It is a wonderful thing to have a church school. Amen, church? I hope you believe that. And today we'll be talking to parents, especially in session this afternoon at 5 o'clock. But we begin the conversation in the service this morning as we also speak to our young people. May I indulge you for a moment as we stand together one more time, looking at Genesis chapter 37, verses 9 to 11. In that passage we read, if you have it, we'll read it together. And he dreamed yet another, and told it to his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and my mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? Verse 11, And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. My topic is dreams and drugs. Let us pray. Our Father, enliven your word today. Enlighten our minds. Keep me behind your cross. May the word of the Lord be exalted today. May we receive the message that you have for parents and for young people this morning. And may your name, Lord, be riveted in each heart so that we can move towards character development. So that one day soon when you will come the second time, we'll receive a crown of glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be seated, please. in the developmental process of every human being. There comes a time when dreams evolve. Aspirations of one type or another find their period of nurture. In the formative years of a child, 
as parents create the atmosphere for such possibilities. Right, we'll try it again. One of you gentlemen need to come and save us here. It's working? Okay. From an early age, children, yeah, it's working. <laughs> begin to think of, the, of who or what they may become. They formulate ideas from stimulation of the mind and affected by their environment and affected by their teachers, their school and their church, spiritual and social and physical nurture grant to them the potential to be awakened in their thinking with which God has endowed them. It's a beautiful scenario. You as parents and adults know of that which I speak. You have watched your children, your nieces, your nephews, your grandchildren over time mature into beautiful adults. They unfold, as it were, from the cord-like canter of a caterpillar into the brilliant beauty of a butterfly. And then they take wings and fly away and you all have emptinesses. Emptinesses are hard to deal with, I know, but we won't talk about that today. So they take wings and they fly away. It probably happened to you too, as a parent, as an adult. Probably not very focused as a young man or as a young woman. Yea, a misguided child and a misdirected youth you turned into an adult of conviction, living a life of purpose and a, a life of honor to the glory of God. You saw it happen to you. Life has its passages. I'd like to know that you're out there. So if any of you turned out to be good, let me hear you say amen. amen. Good. What I'm talking about is the passages of life where young people seem to grow up in difficult circumstances and they have difficulty finding themselves and I'm saying it probably happened to you and suddenly you evolved and you became men and women of conviction if you did let me hear you say amen, amen. don't let me force it now <laughs> so I'm saying that life has its passages I came for two reasons today number one is to ask you as adults not to give up on your young people. And then number two, I came to ask young people not to give up on themselves. Are you listening to me this morning? Your world today is not a pretty place. And it is deteriorating daily. I don't need to tell you everything that defines the state of our society today. You know it from listening to the news. But just in case you're missing some things, I'll share a thing or two with you. Recent movements and recent uh, incidents have aimed at 
further destroying our long-standing society based on fundamental Christian values. Have you noticed that things are changing? Have you? Yes. Folks, I'm really talking to you, you know. Yes. Yeah, good. Let's get it together here today. <laughs> Let's get it together here. I'm talking to you. Have you noticed that things are changing? Yes. All right. Right and wrong are blurred today. Cheating on one's term papers and research papers is seen as a normal thing today. Hmm? Speaking in the, about the economic sector, stealing in free enterprise has become par for the course. Coming soon is a statute that will allow for men and women to wear women's clothing on the job in businesses across America. So men would not need to wear men's clothes anymore. Men can wear women's clothes. So as not to discriminate against anybody is what they're saying. No longer will business owners have the right to require a dress code befitting the profession of that business entity. Another culture is evolving. It's taking over, is what I'm saying to you this morning. The media promotes and orchestrates it. So disaffected with fellow human beings, as well as being uh, demonstrated in neighborhoods, is this problem in committee rooms and industry and in schools and in the public square where everything is being turned upside down. On the streets, young people are losing their moral center, either because it's being modeled to them by adults or due to the fact that they feel, because of their inactivity, a sense of boredom. And so just a few days ago, three young men killed an innocent jogger in their neighborhood. Reason? We were bored. We were bored. So boredom is becoming a problem. No longer are people able to put together things to do or meaningful adventures to, to advance in their community. They feel that the good thing to do is to pick out a fellow and shoot him. And it'll be all right. Three other kids beat up on a young kid in the bus because they refuse. He refuses to buy drugs from them. So broken bones are the result and black eyes. I'm trying to say to you that our world is different today for our children, parents. Prayers in the public school system is no longer a generally accepted behavior. Clearly stating right and wrong, suddenly or rather soundly proclaiming values and directing ethical behavior is unwelcome and unpopular. As a matter of fact, in some educational institutions, it is totally prohibited and unacceptable. This is our world today. This is the world in which you and I live. So Christian education and Christianity itself 
has entered a danger zone. In today's society, we have to battle with child pornography. We have to battle with adult pornography. Not only children, but parents and adults are into pornography. Defiling the mind. Sexual predators defiling our young children. Alcoholism defiling the brain cells and our frontal lobe where our conscious thought and thinking and decision making takes place. Drugs are defiling the senses. Hollywood defining the lifestyle and productive futures. This is our world today. All these current evidences of a putrefying pop culture call for us to be keenly attentive as a family and as a church alike, to be focused on our children with greater wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Are you listening to me this morning? Thus, Christian education is vital and necessary and at various critical levels of development. We must know our children. It is critical for Christian parents to afford their children an opportunity for not merely academic success, but for survival in this current society. When children make bombs in parents' rooms and parents say, we did not know that was happening, I am saying to you, we are in trouble when parents do not know what their kids are doing. But more importantly, the ultimate is to have our children experience a confrontation with Jesus Christ. Uh, you're not listening to me, are you? I say more importantly, it is important that our children are made to have a confrontation with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You and I are not here, brethren, to just lay back and take it easy because the world is in trouble out there and we have children growing up into that world and we must make sure that they are confronted by Jesus Christ. To have a love relationship with him, to understand who he is in their lives and for us to be dedicated to providing the atmosphere for them to develop into wonderful human beings, not only for this society, but for the world to come. Are you with me yet? So watch this. In our world and society and school today, our children are confronted with various challenges. Challenges that, that go against their beliefs and what you have taught them at home. Challenges that go beyond the core values that the church has instilled in them. Peer pressure and academic thought being delivered by some teachers create conflict about truth and error, right and wrong, and about the sovereignty of God and his creatorship. Various types of pressures and various types of teaching materials in our public system now negate the presence and availability of openness of thought and a discussion in, on creation in the classroom. So what do we have? Only evolution is permitted. The Christian position is not. 
this exclusive approach and this preemptive attempt at silencing the authority of God by neglecting the glaring evidence of his existence and his sovereignty is on the upswing. The student, therefore, who finds himself or herself in the public system at elementary, secondary, and tertiary levels will be denied three things. Number one, a voice in classroom participation. Once you're going to talk about God. Once you're going to talk about religion. Because it is unacceptable there. Number two, denied a perspective in research. Once you want to research something about creation. Denied a passing grade for his or her performance if it reflects his or her conviction of conscience. This, I tell you, brothers and sisters, is an attack on the dreams and the, the hopes and the, the faith and the belief of the Christian youth. So in a scenario like this, what do we have? Naturally, dreams are endangered when hope is denied and faith is fractured when belief is forbidden. And that is what your kids are faced with on the outside. Can't afford to have that if we know better. Are you listening to me today? Dreams and hope go together fueled by a fundamental faith. So dreams ought to be exciting and dreams ought to be motivating propositions for the Christian youth. Psychologists tell us that we build our own dreams. And as we search for the interpretation of our dreams, many people are obsessed with finding a meaning to their dreams. Some dreams are about the present and some are about the future. Dreams are made of inspirational imaginations and unconscious thought. I'm not really addressing dreams like that, which are formulated while we are sleeping. It's not a dream I'm talking about today. There's another type of dream, the dream that is formulated by conscious thought, the dream which is the precursor to a life of purpose, the dream that defies confusion or misdirection. The dream that is motivated by heavenly authority. The dream that is not born out of nightmares, but the dream which is the incubator of a new birth. Yea, a renaissance of human commitment to a godly life of service. That's what we want to call our young people to. That's the type of dream. I'm talking about dreams this morning. This dream is built on God's voice speaking to the mind. This dream is built on the Holy Spirit's impact on the, on the heart of the young person. This dream is built on a decided value system. This dream is built on a determined moral character. This dream is built on a daily response to God's expansive grace. This dream... This dream that I talk about is built on the fact that he has chosen us and not we ourselves. You see, young people, we belong to God. Yeah. He has chosen us, 
Before we started to think about him, he did so. And we did not choose him. For those of us who have elementary age children, I ask you, like I will talk about again this evening at 5 o'clock, I ask you, what is your dream for your child? You have a young child, K, elementary. What is your dream for your child? And for those of you who have academy age children, what is your child's dream? What is it that you know? What have you been talking about in terms of dreaming for your child? Some will have to dream for their children until they can dream for themselves. Some of you will have to dream for your child so as to inspire a dream in your child. Are you with me? The biblical narrative records a few incidents of dreams. Dreams are remarkable in their content. Uh, they elicit a certain amount of emotions. At times they tend to warrant fear and anxiety and, and doubts and distress. One may become very quizzical about their dreams. And dreams can be enlightening and motivating, but they also may be very troubling. But in order for you and I to sustain, and for you young people this morning to sustain your dream, the following facets of a dream must be intact. And I'm going to give you these facets before we come to that dream I'm going to talk about in the biblical narrative. Dream. These factors must be intact. Number one, D is for determination to achieve. You, anytime you have a dream, you must have a determination to achieve something for Jesus Christ. Whether that be a vocation or a profession that you are impressed with, you must be determined to achieve. R is for resilience, to keep focus. Thomas Edison did not stop hundreds of times until he got us the light bulb. Are you listening? Resilience to keep focus when you're down. And when things seem difficult, you bounce back and you keep bouncing back. Anybody here was ever bounced back again? There you go, I see your hand. E is for the effort you need to accomplish. Admiral Joe Fowler, he created for the Army naval ship many, many years ago in, back in the early 1900s. But he didn't stop working until he did Disney World and Epcot Center. It's like he couldn't die. But while he was still living, he had to be doing something. This is an effort to accomplish and to keep on accomplishing. If you are a child of God, you cannot sit back lazy. One, profession, one professor told me, it is better to burn out than to rust out. A is for the axis point of advancement. When you have a dream, it must be a realistic dream. You must have the ability to advance and you must be capable to accomplish your dream. You've got to have the access point of advancement. M 
is to maintain a mentor, a modeling mentor. I'll come back to that in a minute. Everybody needs somebody to come alongside them. S is steadfastness. Steadfastness to overcome is steadfastness in the spirit. And I want you to bear those facets of the dream in mind because I'm going to unravel for you what happened with Joseph. So there is this dream story shared with us by Joseph in the Bible in Genesis 37, which will serve as the backdrop for your thinking on this Parent Education Day. I'm not so much concerned about the content and the meaning of Joseph's dream as I am focused today on the fact that he did dream. He had a dream. Alongside that, I will provide for you three pointers that you will find in my narrative as I continue to speak here today that Joseph encountered that may serve as a caution and as well as a comfort and consolation and character building for youth and young adults today. Those three facets are jealousy. What did I say? Mentoring and adversity. So Joseph had this dream. None of his choice, but rather it was of God. God inspired his dream. The fact that he had this dream meant that he was in tune with God to be chosen by God. Amen? Fundamentally, you today must have a dream inspired by God. In order for that to happen, you must be talking with God. Are you with me? For your dream to happen, you must be in tune with God. Your dream must be an authentic dream. Being in tune with God demands a willingness to have a relationship with God. This must be a relationship of love through prayer and faith and obedience to God. And learning to pray is absolutely critical to character development, young people. So Joseph shows up one day, the youngest of the lot, and he tells his brothers, Genesis 37, 6, hey, listen up. Listen up, brothers. I wanted to hear this dream that I had last night. You probably won't believe it, but you guys are going to have to bow down to me. For I'm going to become a great ruler and I'm going to reign over you. Seems to me that you won't be able to lord it over me anymore as a little brother. He had a swagger about him. Joseph got a kick out of this, but his brothers weren't amused in the least. Verse 5 said in a way that they had hated him. They couldn't stand the ground he walked on because he was his father's favorite. So already he was in trouble. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. It's called jealousy. Amen. Jealousy had already overtaken their hearts and, and, and now, now he shows up with the audacity of his dream. When he told them the dream, it seemed to them that Joseph must have lost his mind. Maybe he was on drugs. Dreams and drugs is a combination with which to reckon. They thought to themselves, this boy must be hallucinating. 
we were binding sheaves and behold my sheep stood up upright it was like wow and then your sheaves they all bowed down in obeisance to my sheep verse 8 says and they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words listen to me sometimes you're going to have problems with your own brethren regarding your dream sometimes your own significant others in your life will question your sanity when you share your dream with them. Is anybody listening to me here? Sometimes there will be a distancing of your friends from you when you declare to them your dream. I want to be a minister. Not bad. I want to be a nurse. Not bad. I want to be a doctor. That's okay. I want to be an attorney. Not bad at all. But I want to be a biochemist, chemical engineer. Well, I want to be a neuroscientist. I want to be an astronaut. Well, I want to be a brain surgeon. Well, I want to be a molecular biologist. Hmm? I want to be a politician. Ah, I know about that. I want to be president of the United States of America, and I'm black at that. Hmm. And the question comes in the attitude, who does he think he is? It's like, boy, you better keep yourself quiet. You know your mama didn't get anywhere, your papa didn't get anywhere. We don't have any money to send you to be all those things, some of those words I can't even call. So why don't you keep quiet? Just serve the Lord and be happy. Joseph had the activity of his mind just reeling around, working overtime, so much so that he dreamed another dream. What's with this guy? This time it was the heavenly bodies of God's creation in, act, in play as actors on the stage of his mind. So he comes to the family. Now his father is present and says, I've got another dream for you. It was like, riddle me this, riddle me that, guess me this riddle, and perhaps not. He says in verse 9, I dreamed the dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. When his father heard it this time, his beloved father rebuked him, saying, What? What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I, the sun, your mother, the moon, and thy brethren, the stars, indeed come and bow down ourselves to thee on the earth? Your little urchin. Why would we do that? You're the last of the bunch. But his father observed the saying, is what the Bible says. His father, I want you to note that. Meaning he kept the matter in his heart. For he cogitated on it and it troubled him some. Young people, people may be skeptical of your dreams, even your parents. Joseph's father thought about it 
and he questioned it. But he did not dismiss it. He kept it in his heart. Listen to me today. Your parents have a right to question your dreams. You didn't hear that. Your parents have a right to question your dreams. But by questioning it, they invite you to think it through more carefully. By questioning it, they also take opportunity to mull it over in their hearts. That's a good thing. The same text tells us that the brothers envied him. Yes, some of your brethren in the extended family of the church will envy your dream, will envy you just because you dream. I don't know what you'd feel if everybody came in here next Sabbath morning and said, I have a dream. I have a dream. It's like everybody's becoming Martin Luther King now. I have a dream. But there might be just one person that comes in here, one brilliant young mind, and says, you know what? I have a dream, folks. People may be very close to you. And, 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 and you, 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 you tell them that. And they may be envious. They tell you, oh, it won't turn out to be much of anything. Hold on to your dream. It's what I came to tell you today. Let no one steal it from you by discouragement. In the following verses, there's an interesting drama that develops. There is a sidebar to the story. And then a development of major proportion I wanted to hear. The brothers distanced themselves. They went to feed the father's flock. They left him. They separated themselves from him and his dream. Now they felt that he felt that he was better than they were. Nobody wants to feel that way. Not at all. But the father sends Joseph to go after them out in Shechem to see how they were doing. Fathers are very smart people. Mothers more so. But the story today doesn't have the mother in it, so that's why I'm talking about the father. So the father said, you know, this boy is sitting here at home thinking that he's now some great somebody. Let me send him out in the field to go look for his brothers. So while out there looking for them, Joseph apparently, verse 15, could not find his way. The passage describes him as wandering in the field. That's W-A-N. Wandering in the field. While he was wandering in the field, the Bible says in verse 18, a certain man found him. It's intriguing to me what the man asks. The man asks him saying, what seekest thou? I got to thinking about that parenthetical placement in this pericope, this sidebar that scripture places in the story. It calls for our attention in the narrative, folks. A certain man found him. It occurred to me, young people, that when you become a dreamer, when you have a dream to pursue, that sometimes you may find yourself wandering. Wandering around in uncertainty. Can't seem to find your way to your dream. Doubting your dream and 
seeming to lose connection with the chosen path, led away in uncertain direction, just wandering, if you please, in contemplation, trying to find yourself. Sometimes worried about your center and concerned about how this is going to fit with that and whether or not you have the right tools to connect the dots in your life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When sometimes you know that and you feel that God has placed you on a path, but when you're out there walking your path, you don't know how to move and, and, and what will fit here and there. And because you're young, you do not have adult sense. Because you're quite likely an adolescence, which means adults less sense. You're, you're there floundering around, and the Bible says he was wandering. And this certain man found him. This certain man found him. And, 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 and it's just about that time that you need somebody to come along in your life. Someone called a mentor. Did you get that word? I believe this man was like a mentor to Joseph. A walk to walk alongside you. A mentor to listen to you. To guide you and to help you to focus and to sharpen your direction by questioning you, asking, what seekest thou? What is it that you want to get out of this, this dream you have? How do you see yourself building up yourself academically and, and setting yourself in a path that will make you accomplish that dream? What is it that you want to get out of this? Where do you want to go? What do you want to become? What type of service do you want to achieve? Why is it you want to be a biochemist? What are all these things going on in your mind? Where do you want to go? Yay, you need a mentor, someone different from your parents and your family, someone not too, too close to you, someone who has the ability to guide you toward your dreams with objectivity, with wisdom, and with spiritual understanding. Is anybody listening to me today? And after all that, they will come and say to you, I think you should go in this or in that direction. That's where you'll find fulfillment in your dream according to what I see in you. Parents have a way of doing that for their young people. But sometimes young people at certain stages do not cue in to what their parents have to say. Parents is not because they don't like you. It's not because they don't appreciate you. It probably is because they love you. Hello. But at this point in their lives, they don't want to have a contention with you. And maybe because of their change in movement from adolescence to adulthood, it is not for you now to have that type of understanding about where they are. Because they're trying to work out their own value system, their own ethics and their moral behavior and their own character. But I tell you today that every child knows where they're coming from. They know what you have taught them. They know what you want for them. And even though they may move away from it, they're going to come right back to being what you want them to be. Let me tell you this. There are many parents today who would just need, if they would just relax, their children would work out mighty fine. You see, folks, the anxiety and the stress 
that we put ourselves through sometimes, I have got to learn it myself. It's not worth it. Because if your child is given over to the God of heaven, that child will be directed by that same God. Amen. So Joseph caught up with his brethren in Dalton. They were, <clears throat> they see him coming and they disregarded him. They disdained him is what the Bible gives us, tells us. So they said, let's kill him. Let's kill him. Let's kill him. Cast him in a pit and then we shall see what will become of his dreams. This dream thing is gnawing at them. It is clear that not everyone rejoices with you when you dream. But Reuben, oh, I tell you what. He said, okay, let's not kill him. Let's throw him into a pit. He's our brother and he's our flesh, so let cooler heads prevail. Well, the brothers agreed. Don't kill him. Let's throw him in a pit. I want you to get the point. The problem they have with their brother is not so much a problem with him as a person. Rather, the problem is with his dream, his ambition, his purpose, and his being preferred. This explains to us why our best of friends and family can have feuds amongst each other. Their love can appear to turn to hate because of something, some aspect of life, some dream that is expressed. And so they threw him in the pit to get rid of his dream, not to get rid of him. No, because again, we see when Reuben returns to the pit and Joseph is not there, the Bible says in verse 29, he rent his clothes because he was saddened for his brother. Listen, Joseph had to spend a while in the pit. Follow me closer here. The Bible says in the pit there was no water. There's nothing to refresh him down there. There's nothing to cool his sores. At times when we are traveling on the path to accomplish the dream that God has given to us, we will have to overcome some type of adversity. Are you with me, folks? I wonder what Joseph must have thought about his dream while he was in the pit. Let me tell you, there's nobody that's going to naturally think while they're down in a pit that I'm going to reign over anybody. Does it make sense? No, I'm in a pit. How can I become ruler over anybody when I'm down in a pit? I'm left here to suffer. So I wonder what Joseph must have thought. You know, brothers and sisters, there is quite likely going to be some adversity that you will have to encounter on your way to accomplishing your dream. And that is what I call dream adversity. Dream adversity. You'll sometimes be alone in your dream. You'll sometimes be alone in the pit of solitude in the pit of seeming impossibility. But always you must be aware of this, that while you are in the pit, God is sending deliverance for you. God is preparing a way out for you because the pit is not where he wants you to be. The pit is only a pit stop on the way to your dream. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah this morning. 
pit is just your challenge to overcome your dream adversity. adversity. So the question is, how does one sustain his or her dream for the long haul? Answer, you've got to avoid the fallen drugs. You've got to avoid the fallen what? Drugs, drugs. Here's what that means. Here are the drugs for your dreams. The doubts. Don't be defeated by your own doubts. Sometimes we doubt ourselves a lot. The Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he who had begun a good work, do you know that text? A good work, Philippians 1, 6. He that had begun a good work in you is able also to do what? To finish it until the day of his appearing. So do not be defeated by your doubts. Drug R is regrets. Don't allow regrets to haunt you. They will displace your dreams. If you make a mistake in your wandering, get up, brush yourself off, and get back on course. Keep on riding. Don't stay down there in your mistake and be regretful. The U is for upset. I want to warn young people, don't be unduly upset with yourself when you find yourself in a fix. Neither be overly upset with others who are unsupportive because both of these things are on, are rather counterproductive. When you're upset, upset with yourself or upset with your parents or upset with somebody, don't live your life being upset. It is counterproductive. A regular word that we understand is the word vex. There are people around in, in, our, in our company who spend all their years vexed with each other. I am vexed with my mother. I'm vexed with my father. Vexed with my brother. Vexed with my sister. I'm vexed with my cousin. I'm vexed with my aunt. I'm vexed with my... I'm just vexed. And I'm going to walk around and show you I'm vexed. And I don't want anybody to come behind me. I'm just vexed. And there's some people who just love to be vexed. When you see them coming to church, they're just vexed. And they don't want you to trouble them because they're vexed. And because the best thing they know to do is to be vexed. I'm saying to you, don't be vexed with yourself or with anybody because it's counterproductive. When you're vexed, you get angry. And anger will eat you out. Amen. That's what I mean by upset. That's a drug. That's a drug. That's a drug. That's a drug. The next Word is greed. Don't be consumed with making a lot of money, young people. No matter what you want to become in the pursuit of the dream, this is greed. Greed has never profited anyone. The love of money is the root of all evil. And what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Made off, made off with a lot of people's money, but he made off right to prison. Oh, you don't know who I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> S is self-service. Don't educate yourself to serve yourself. Don't educate yourself to serve yourself. Self-service is totally defeating. Educate 
yourself to serve others. I thought there would be somebody in this church that would believe that, Pastor. What I said was, educate yourself to serve others. I know what part of the country I'm in. And there's a lot of gold and silver around here. And I know Hollywood is next door. I'm asking you as parents and children of the church, when you educate yourself, serve others. Amen? Amen. These are the prescription drugs to solve, to rather save your dreams. That's why Ellen White says the work of education and the work of redemption is one. This is the genius of Christian education. The reality bound up in this fact of inspiration that as we educate our children, ladies and gentlemen, we educate them to assume the character of Jesus Christ. We educate them through the word of God so that they can imbibe that word. And we educate them so that they can enjoy the atmosphere of God's grace around them. That they will be confronted by faith to accept the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ in their life. Thus ultimately receive the salvation of their souls. Somebody ought to say amen out there. Therefore parents, therefore parents, therefore within the hearing of my voice, if you provide your children Christian education, in so doing you will have given them the best, the best possible benefit in life. Here and in the world to come. Christian education is about transformation of the heart, the mind, the body, and the soul. And to that end, we receive salvation. These issues are the challenges for our children that they face today. And so I just want to ask you to develop character in yourselves as parents, in your children as your students in the school, at this church, and then they will have godliness they will have godlikeness, and believe you me, that is the goal to be reached. May God bless you.